How important are athletic trainers in the COVID era of sports, and why do they have some of the deepest connections to student-athletes here at MSUM? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MSUM Dragons podcast, where we believe that the student-athlete experience here at MSUM is more than a game. I'm your host, John Webby Webking. Our guest today is the always super fabulous MSUM head athletic trainer, Andy Scott, talking about shutdown to workouts, how they're going so far as now all sports are able to work out, and why the relationships between our athletic training staff and student-athletes here at MSUM are some of the most powerful of their experience. Here is my chat with the one and only Andy Scott. Andy Scott, welcome to the MSUM Dragons podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing today, Webby? I'm doing super fabulous, as someone always says to me in the hallways. So uh, this is our podcast where we talk about the student-athlete experience and a little bit more about the things that are outside the game. And uh, when we talk a lot about this year and everything that we've gone through up until this point, you've kind of been in the mix since the very beginning is guiding a lot of the actions, decisions, policies, procedures of getting to this point. Could you tell us a little bit about what that's been like from when we started talking about doing workouts again to actually doing workouts and what kind of big concerns came through? Sure. Um, Well, um, so it's basically been uh, Doug and myself and Travis Anderson, our strength and conditioning coach, Um, basically, you know, tried to figure out lots of things um, based on all the direction from the CDC and the Minnesota Department of Health, excuse me. And, um, you know, there's a lot of information to call through in the beginning and trying to just do things as safely as we can to try to make sure that our student athletes, uh, have an opportunity to compete this fall. And so, going through all the information and requesting information from other schools that uh, opened up before we did and basically taking those plans, kind of putting them together, using the ideas that were best for us and then adding some tweaks, you know, that would be particular to our building and to our strength conditioning facility and our, you know, outdoor facilities to try and get everybody to be able to work out safely. And so it was a couple weeks where it was, you know, long days, I think, kind of just trying to type out and do all of the, get all of the policies and procedures in the right order. And, you know, so they're understandable, things like that. And then, of course, Travis having to get the schedules of all the student athletes and try to schedule times for lifting and for doing conditioning and things like that. So um, between the three of us, he and I and Doug, we got it all kind of wrapped up and I think so far, um, from my perspective at any rate, it's gone very smoothly. Um, we've, you know, required masking and the student athletes are good with wearing the masks indoors. Um, one shout out I want to give is to our football guys who there's like 50 to 60 guys who have been in town during the whole shutdown and they basically volunteered to keep lifting. They built some gyms at home and things. And I think Travis talked with you about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so they were, more than happy to stay lifting in those gyms so that our other student athletes had the opportunity to lift on campus because they didn't have, you know, off-campus facilities available to them for most of the time. And so I think that's been really great. So we've gotten 
as many student athletes the opportunity to work out and to get better as we've been able to get. And so I think that's been pretty key for us too. What were some of the scariest things to, to navigate in that getting back to workouts point? Like what were the, the biggest hurdles? I know, like you mentioned, we talked a little bit about um, not being very active or, or uh, I, I don't know what the exact wording is, but yep. you can tell me, I'm very sure. And, and you know, <laughs> what, were, what were some of the things like that that were really big concerns heading into starting workouts again? Yep. So I think kind of the biggest thing with that is deconditioning, right? So Thank you. during the, you know, whatever, March, April, and May, two and a half months or so, most student athletes were unable to do a lot of conditioning exercises, especially in relation to um, running and doing um, sports related movements. And so that piece was hard. Um, how, trying to figure out how, where do you start, right? Because mm -hmm. there is going to be people who, you know, there are some people who maybe had home gyms or like the football team was able to lift and do those things. And so their primary concern was the conditioning piece and the more sport related movement piece. And so we did, um, were able to find a survey from somewhere else that another school sent out that was on social media and so able to send that out and say, well, what kind of exercise have you been doing? Have you been doing any? Have you been lifting? Have you been running? You know, what's your primary concern? And so we were able to do that. And of course, from the sports medicine perspective, you want to not get people back into exercise at a level that they're unused to, <clears throat> excuse me, because that's when injuries occur. And there's been several studies from, um, NFL, Major League Baseball, things like that, where when people are returning after a long period of deconditioning, uh, there's been a huge increase in things like ACL tears and Achilles tendon injuries and other, you know, soft tissue type injuries where people are kind of overloading their bodies. And so our biggest concern was preventing those type of things and moving into workouts at a pace that was beneficial to our student athletes rather than um, immediately breaking down their tissues and creating injuries that obviously nobody wanted to have. And we have been a very, very successful in that, in that Good. area. Travis, uh, did a great job. Um, coach Anderson building that program. He had ideas right from the beginning. And so we're built up now to an area where I think most student athletes at this point are back to the point that they were before the shutdown. And if not, you know, very close, at least <coughs> those people who've been on campus working out. So it's been great. And how many have we had? I know because we phased it. We did the fall first, and then we brought in the winter and spring yep. sports to, if they wanted to come back and work out, and providing that opportunity. How many are, are working out right now, and how is it going? I mean, how are we doing? Right. So we're, uh, right now on Tuesdays and Thursdays, of course, are the, the bigger groups because that's when we have um, everybody running. Mm -hmm. And so we can basically have um, up to two groups of 25 at a time because they're spaced out adequately. So according to um, state rules, um, that's how we've been doing it. So there's about right around 100 every Tuesday and Thursday who are doing the conditioning uh, and mm -hmm. movement piece. And then on Monday, Wednesday, Friday for the lifting piece, we're close to about 40 to 45. So um, on those on those days and we have three sessions of lifting on Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And then we have two sessions of the conditioning on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So that's been pretty, um, 
pretty normal, those numbers. Good. I'm missing the word. Has anything changed <laughs> from the initial plan to now that you saw everything in motion and moving that you were like, oh, we got to do this differently? Um, I'm not, there hasn't been anything big. I think the biggest changes have just been the numbers. When we initially started, we could only have groups of 10 or 15 at a time. Right. And so we had um, two different field areas going on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, other than that, um, and then with lifting too, we could only have in the beginning like eight. And yeah. so those numbers have um, increased over time. But basically that's it. Our, our procedures um, that we were able to write and things that we saw from other places have worked very well. And so, and you know, a big shout out to all our student athletes have been very um, understanding and they have been very willing to do whatever we've asked them to do as far as procedures go. Um, and in the athletic training room, you know, that's a big change where it used to be kind of anybody can kind of come and go and there's, you know, lots of, you know, freedom as far as how you're working out and things like that. Um, they've been great. We have, it's only by appointment. We can only have two or three people in there at a time. They clean all their equipment. Um, it's been, they've been more than accommodating and it's been, it's been really nice to see. I'm not surprised by it at, in any way. Um, because our Dragon student athletes have always been that way. They're very respectful. And obviously, they want to play mm -hmm. um, just as much as we want them to play. And so they're, you know, following all the rules as best they can so that they can hopefully see the field this fall. And that connection is the reason I really did want to reach out more than anything. And when we talk about more than a game is the connection between the student athletes and the athletic training room and, and athletic trainers is something alums come back to to see it's usually scotty Bo, and athletic training yep. and you know i think that's a, a an incredible part of the student athlete experience why do you think that bond between athlete and athletic trainer is so strong and becomes such a valuable relationship uh throughout their lives yeah i think um you know I think the biggest thing is, is just other that, than amazing people that we have in our athletic well, training clearly, department. I mean, there's that obviously. Okay. Um, I think the biggest thing is, is that we see student athletes at their most vulnerable time, right? Mm -hmm. When they are, um, you know, they're down and out, they might have a season ending injury or a career ending injury. And, and even if it isn't, it's still an injury. Right. And so helping people to get back to where they can be the best that they've been again at their sport. I think you do create um, a bond and I think it's necessary to have that, that bond and that really kind of close relationship just so that you can learn how people function and how is it best to motivate them to do the things that they need to do to get back um, to playing their sport at the top level that, you know, they used to play. And, um, you know, that's different for every person. And that's kind of, you know, a thing that athletic trainers learn too, as you go. And I'm sure, you know, coaches are no different, but everybody is motivated in a different way. Everybody needs something different from us. And that's, um, you know, as you get older, um, it's easier to kind of figure out what drives people. And so you do get to really learn what it makes people tick. And so those close relationships um, are very advantageous to getting people back to where they need to be. And so I think if, as an athletic trainer, you're most effective as if you can 
you know, make that distinction between every person and know that not everybody is treated the same. And everybody just wants to be understood, right? right. And to and to know that somebody cares. And those are the biggest thing. And um, anybody who works with me um, knows that I'm all about the student athlete. That's my job, student athlete welfare. And there are many times every year that I go to bat for and go to the wall, you know, to say these things are not okay and this needs to change or that needs to change or we need to be better. And every single thing I do every day is for the welfare, health and welfare of our student athletes. And, and I think people just understand that. I, I think so too, but I, I, I believe that that trust that you build through the physical activity and the connection that you have to athletes as an athletic trainer um, as an athlete, you, you, you can kind of, sometimes you, you see, you'll talk to the assistant coach before you talk to the head coach about a problem. You'll talk to your strength and conditioning coach before you talk to your assistant. You'll talk to our, you're kind of the ear for some of the, the first, uh, issues a student athlete might have in their world. Um, you know, what's it like to kind of listen and be that, that ear for so many in advocating for them, as you said, this the core of what you do. Yeah. So one of the things that I learned, I don't know, a long time ago, and it sounds kind of cheesy, but it is actually very true, is uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And so I have known lots of athletic trainers who are the smartest people on the planet, and they know all the things, but they can't get student athletes to open up to them or to, you know, um, be able to relate with them better. And most of that is, you know, they, they just don't understand how much you care. And so that's the thing that I always fall back on. And I, I believe that's where that relationship comes in and why student athletes are trusting. They understand that we care. They understand that it's a safe space for them. It's not a, um, it's not a direct pipeline, right, to the head coach. Right. And it's not um, a tattletale, you know, kind of situation. And certainly there are things that we find out that have to be shared. Um, but by and large, most of those, most of the conversations that would revolve around those types of things in the athletic training room are more of a, a personal nature, mm-hmm. um, you know, that student athletes feel like they need to share. And I think, some of that is a, a big key with mental health too, right? Sure. There's a lot of mental health conversations that happen in athletic training and those are opened up by the physical injuries, right? And so there's a huge mind-body connection as everyone I think is, well, we're all more aware of it now, right? So it's getting more of a, a front and center approach that mental health is health. It's not, uh, we're not just about the physical, and it all ties in together. And so there's some, you know, there's often anxiety issues around um, injury. There's many times there's depressive issues around injury. But also if somebody comes in with those things, that also affects their physical um, well-being and the fact that it's harder to heal and to rehab and do all those things if you've got this anxiety and depression type things that are um, affecting how you're operating on a daily basis. 
And as we wrap up kind of the, the time we have here today, uh, I just want to ask you, what is the most rewarding part of your job? I know it's going to be student athlete driven. We all know that. Um, is it helping someone who's hurt get back? Is it the emotional part of getting to know them and watch them grow and, and challenging? What, what is the most important and rewarding thing for you? Right. Um, I do think that it used to be the whole piece of, you know, seeing somebody who's been injured and down and out and getting them back onto the field. And that's certainly um, a big key to my job. And I do enjoy that piece. But I think the bigger piece now has become, again, as I've aged and, and become more experienced in this profession, I think the biggest thing is, is knowing that I have the opportunity to help uh, student athletes become who they really are going to be after their four or five years at MSU Moorhead, having a, having a, a small piece of the process of them becoming their best selves once they graduate from MSUM. And the final question comes from Mr. Markison asking how many face masks you actually own right now? I can't tell you the number. <laughs> Estimate. 20. 20? What's your Dude, favorite? The, the masks are the new shoes, right, for me. So, oh, yeah? And if yeah, anybody all, knows you, you're all about the shoes. So the almost, mask thing. Yeah. Every week, at least every week, I'm ordering new masks. My new favorite is... Um, I got one that has prints on it. It's purple and has little pictures of prints all over it. Oh, so I'm nice. all about that. Mm -hmm. Rocking the prints look. Well, we but might have I've, to. I've got some others coming. So, you know, we'll see what, what transpires. Well, if you find any awesome ones, be sure to share. Can't wait. Can't love seeing the pictures of uh, the mass on social. So <laughs> thank you, Andy, for your time today. You and joining us on the Amazon Dragons podcast. You bet. Thanks, Webby. Go Dragons. Go Dragons. Thank you again, Andy, for joining us on the podcast and for all of your hard work and, for that matter, all of the athletic training staff here at MSUM, a truly special group who keeps us in the game of sports and in life. An outsider might have labeled the work of an athletic trainer to be all about bones and muscles, but athletes know them as invaluable counselors too, and now leaders on the biggest thing to hit sports probably ever. We listen to them and their guidance in this time, because they've always listened to us. And I, for one, am very grateful for how much they sacrifice so that we can compete, watch, and call this life-transforming industry our purpose. For athletes everywhere, thank you to our athletic trainers. Thank you for listening to the MSUM Dragons podcast today. Subscribe if you don't want to miss a show, and share if you believe what we believe, that the student-athlete experience here at MSUM is more than a game. Thanks again, and of course, Go Dragons! Go Dragons!